0: Hey everyone welcome to my podcast um, my name is Olivia Jane thank you so much for being here with me it is so exciting and awesome <laughs> okay um so yeah basically I've been feeling a little bit bored lately you know this whole crazy year has like limited a lot of things um, I should technically be in Manhattan, finishing my last year of college strong, being in the city, being around Broadway, being around people and, you know, networking or whatever you business people want to call that. Um, But I'm not. I'm home. I'm doing Zoom classes, you know, Zoom University. It is a real thing. Zoom exhaustion is also a real thing. Um, I'm sure most of you students know that college high school middle school alike but it's especially hard to do zoom classes when you're in theater because man theater is such a personal thing it's an energy thing you want to step into the room or the scene or where whatever you're doing and just feel the energy of the people around you you don't want to be doing a scene or a song and staring at a computer screen with your bed behind you. (laughs) Just the whole thing. I mean, listen, we adapt. We're humans. We're great at adapting. So we adapt. And that's basically what this year has been. Um, So I'm not going to wallow on the sadness of that and not being there because there's no point because it is what it is, right? But basically, the reason I am creating this second podcast um, is because I want kind of an outlet or a journal or something of that nature where I can just spew. Mostly I'm going to talk about my anxiety um, disorder, which if you know me well, or actually you know what, if you know me a little bit, you probably know that I have anxiety and depression because I talk about it a lot. Um, But if you don't know me and you've just maybe met me in passing, you might not know. Because I am fantastic at hiding it. Um, But yeah, so I want this to be a place where anxiety and depression people. (laughs) Wow, that's horrible. Oh my god. Anxiety, depression people. Okay, I guess that's what we're called. Um, Can join together and, you know, just vent. Like, I want to, like, talk to people. I want this to be something that opens up conversation and communication with people, who suffer from the same things. Or you know what, not even the same things. Like anything, anything that they think, hey, this chick might be able to help or hey, I just wanna vent and and not be judged. That's kind of what I wanna do with this. I'm also thinking about um, doing some more YouTube videos. I have a YouTube channel, but right now it's just mostly like <laughs> my high school musical little reels in there or, um, you know, just like me singing. But I also have a TikTok where I put a lot of my singing stuff on there. Um, and I'm just dying for that to go viral one day. I'm like really praying. I did this whole thing where I was trying to follow the trends because that's what everyone does. And I was like, you know what, if I just have that one trend that like hits a certain way, that's going to go viral. And then people will come to my page And then hopefully that's how they'll start to see my singing videos. But of course that's not going to work because even if I get one viral video, whatever, who cares, right? Everyone's doing it. But anyway, so I'm going to try and figure out some more things like that. See what I need to do to make that happen more than it is. But anyway, wow. Okay. Do you already get the vibe of this podcast? I'm just going to be rambling most of the time. Fun. But yes. Okay. One, TikTok. I have, I sing on it. Boom. (sighs) Wow. That was clear and concise and the rest was so unneeded. Two, YouTube channel. Currently, high school singing stuff, me singing now. I want to kind of transition that into like a makeup thing. Uh, I know that's so generic and like most of you just throw up in your mouth, but um, yeah, I love that stuff. And my biggest thing is like, I hate being limited. I really, if I like a bunch of things, I wanna do that. So, like, I hate feeling that, oh, okay, if I have this podcast, it needs to be just about anxiety. I don't like that. I really want to be able to do whatever I want to do. So, of course, this podcast is not going to be just solely based on anxiety all the time. Oh, my God. But that's going to be the focus of this. Because the truth of the matter is, I would hate to subscribe to something. For example, there's this awesome podcast um, called Crime Junkie. <laughs> and they talk about the like, conspiracy theories. They talk about a lot of, you know, true, true, whoa, true crime cases. Um, and it would be kind of odd if you clicked on that podcast one day and they were just talking about like Broadway musicals. That would be super, super random. And the audience fan base would be like, why, what's going on here? I didn't click on Broadway Junkie, I clicked on Crime Junkie. So yeah, um, so I get that, I get that gist, and I respect it. And you know what? I would feel disrespected if I was following a podcast and they switched up, so I will not do that to you. Okay. Whew, I'm getting winded. Alright, back to the point. So yes, this podcast is going to be mostly dealing with, you know, mental illness, self-love, how to take care of yourself, how to take care of your mind, you know, the whole lot. Okay, I think I've exhausted that topic, moving on. I just wanna say that I am by no stretch of anybody's imagination, any kind of professional in this topic, I mean, I'm a professional of my own life and my own experiences, but I am by no means claiming to be a replacement for real therapy, or anything of that sort. If you need help, please, please, please get it. And please make sure there's no shame in that. I'm actually a firm believer in everybody should be in therapy, at least for a period of their lives, whether they have anything glaring or not. Um, I think it's very, very important. And when I have children, they will be in precautionary therapy because anxiety and depression and disorders like that run in my family. So I'm not going to wait until they start to show glaring signs and start to feel immobilized the way I did because luckily for me, I now know this. Um, And another thing, you cannot blame your family or people who didn't know If you're in this kind of situation and maybe you're a little bit older and just starting therapy on your own and you're sitting there thinking, wow, why didn't my parents see this? You cannot blame anybody. Um, A lot of times parents are in denial and if it's not denial, it's that they think they can help you themselves and if it's not that, maybe it's just not as obvious as you think it is, right? Like everybody lives in their own mind, so nobody else can really get in there with you. Even if you feel like you're crying out for help, it might not be as obvious as you think it is. Okay, so bottom line of that is, you know, take responsibility for your own health, your own mental health, but at the same time, be happy because now we know for the future and now we know for our children and grandchildren or whatever um, that things these things are super important. And it's, it's really good to get some kind of form of therapy and there's absolutely no shame in that whatsoever we should really be looking at this as just another doctor right so I think what I'm going to do for this first episode is just explain to you guys my story wow my story with anxiety not my whole story because woohoo we'd be here for a long time okay so I'm just gonna tell you my story with anxiety All right. So we heard that it runs in my family. So March 18th, 1999, I was born. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so like, you know, I'm a pretty regular degular kid, like hanging out, you know, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Whatever kids do. Um, then my family and I went on a vacation in the summer to Cape Cod and it was really hot. I was eight years old, and I got my first dizzy spell. Whoa, like, that's crazy. Um, But at the time, I didn't know dizzy spell from anything else. Like, you know when kids, like, hold hands, and they go in a circle really fast just to feel dizzy because they think that's fun for some reason? Yeah, like, that's just what I knew that sensation as, you know? Like, oh, you know, ring around the rosy. So I felt that, and I wasn't scared because, like I said, there was no fear connected to it I just got up went to my mom and was like oh my god ma I just got dizzy that was so weird she's like what were you doing were you spinning around no nothing okay happens maybe two more times during that trip so now I'm starting to worry about it a little bit it's starting to become a little bit of a fear because okay this happened two to three times where I'm randomly getting this dizzy sensation and I didn't do anything to provoke it okay spooky (laughs) so moving along it kind of subsides a little bit now I'm in like elementary middle school and mind you I've had allergies forever um after that vacation I started to take Zyrtec daily because we discovered that I had really bad allergies especially seasonal allergies and we were like hey maybe that's why I was dizzy you know sinus fluids whatever so I went on Zyrtec full-time and now skip to, more of like a middle school. This thing started to come back again. I'm getting dizzy again. I don't know where. Um, I actually, there. <laughs> it's interesting because a lot of people these days do have anxiety. So you kind of get to understand how different people deal with the same kind of thing, right? So my sister, for example, she has anxiety and she's the type of person that doesn't talk about it. Like she holds it in. She doesn't want her friends to know, um, that she's worried about X, Y, and Z. She doesn't want people around her to know. Cause I guess she doesn't want them to be afraid of her. Right. That makes sense. I'm the opposite. If you're my friend, I need you to know everything that may possibly happen. Cause it'll just make me feel safe. Like if you, if you are my friend, And this is what happened in middle school. I told my closest friends, okay, hey guys, like, school meeting at recess, I get dizzy. So if that happens, please do X, Y, and Z. Because in my opinion, just prepares everybody. I'm a super, um, control freak in that way. Actually, let me rephrase that. I have control issues. And that is a huge part of my anxieties, as we'll see (laughs) when we continue. But anyway. So yes, so I told all my friends, like, this is what's going on. If this happens, you know, react this way. Don't get scared, blah, 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 blah. So it happened multiple times during school. Um, I remember one time vividly, I was at recess, started to feel it. Someone took me inside. I put my head down, whatever. But still at this point, it was more of a nuisance and less of a deadly fear, which somebody with a quote-unquote normal chemical makeup would see it as anyway you know someone without anxiety would see this just purely as a nuisance it would never go past that but for me as it kept happening it kept going past that and then it would go from okay I feel uncomfortable when I feel dizzy to the next level of what if I don't come back from it what if it doesn't stop to the next level what if it never stops and I can never feel undizzy? Then to the final level, of course, what if I die? <laughs> it sounds crazy. It sounds, it sounds really crazy. I mean, even to me saying it out loud. But this is what a person with anxiety thinks, okay? I, I don't want to generalize. That, that's how I think, okay? So let's go back to the control thing for a second. Um, my therapist was the one that introduced this idea to me. Because my two biggest fears... Um, other than death, were getting dizzy and throwing up. The two things that these sensations have in common are that they are against your control. If you have a stomach bug, you're getting sick. Like there, there's no if-ands or buts. There's no negotiating with your stomach. Like it's happening. So that's something that's out of your control that you cannot predict is going to happen or not going to happen. Same thing with this dizziness. So, okay, great. Now we've come to the revelation that I have control issues. Okay. So, of course, with that being said, we see that I'm now in therapy. It took a while, um, but it happened because my mom was realizing, like, oh, okay, this kid's actually irrationally afraid of this thing. So now I'm in therapy for a while. I want to say... You know, 8th grade, freshman year of high school. Then I kind of fall off of it a little bit. I'm feeling a little bit okay. I fall off. Then I remember I got this weird feeling of what I now know is disassociation. <sighs> it's such a strange feeling. And it's hard to explain to people who have never felt it before. Um, but I watched this one video on YouTube And this guy, I wish I knew his name, but he explained it in a way that I was like, yes, that is it. That is exactly what it feels like. Because the way that I was explaining it to every doctor that I ever went to, uh, because you know, with this dizziness, my mom took me to every doctor, ENT, brain, I got an EEG on my brain, heart doctor, like the whole lot. And this feeling is basically like, you're looking out at the world, but there's a plexiglass right in front of your eyes so you're aware you're conscious you can move you can control yourself if you say i want to lift my left arm you can lift your left arm but looking down at the world kind of feels fake or it feels like you're in a dream so i would call it dreamy but it's really some form of disassociation and that became much more frequent so i went back to therapy and thus the entire (laughs) bulk of my anxious life started to occur. So now I'm like sophomore, junior of high school, and this anxiety has me basically house ridden. Other than the responsibility of going to school, I did not want to do anything. I could not do anything. And with the anxiety came the depression. And I'm not going to get into every little aspect of this, but um, there was also a period of just insane apathy and I am not somebody who doesn't care about things or life Um, but the anxiety got so bad at one point that I was so angry so angry and I just started to turn to not caring and I was the most apathetic and that was actually I would say the most dangerous um, because any kind of invasive thought that an anxious person may have is given a little bit more life when you don't care about life. I'm not sure if that made sense Um, but I don't want to get too vulgar in the way I explain things. But anyways, okay, so this anxiety is really bad, right? Let's pass the apathy phase because eventually the depression started to take over more because like I said, at the root of who I am is a caring person and someone who values life and finds it precious. So the depression came and and bulldozed the apathy. So I'm just going to give you an example of how irrationally I was thinking um, at this point. So my best best friend, okay, Katie, shout out, hey, my best friend was going to prom, and she was going to get a dress. And she said, do you want to come pick out my dress? Hello? Of course, I want to come pick out your dress with you. Okay. <laughs> so I'm thinking we're going to the Staten Island mall. We're going to go pick out her dress. That's fine. You know, I can do that. And of course, for someone with severe anxiety like this, where they're kind of house it's the whole, uh, okay, if this goes wrong, I could do this. Um, I was thinking her mom, who's like, basically like, my aunt, like she's family to me. I'm like, okay, she's a nurse. So if God forbid, I feel like this, she'll know what to do. So this is the type of thing. It can never just be, let's go pick out a dress. It has to be, yes, let's go pick out a dress, but I'm making lists in my head for if the absolute worst happens to me, how can I get out of this? And will I be safe? Okay. So i come to the cl- conclusion, I'll be safe with these two, <laughs> you know, like they're my family. I love them. My best friend, my, they're basically my family. Okay. So in my psycho head right now, I'm like, I'll be safe. Then she texts me and says, we're going to Jersey. Um, of course, you know, better selections, prettier boutiques, duh. And my stomach dropped and I said, I can't go. <laughs> so I don't know if she knows this even to this day, but that's why I didn't go. was because going to Jersey, to me, felt like going to Hawaii. <laughs> and Yeah, let's just sit that for a second going to Jersey felt like going to Hawaii. (laughs) And I think that's just the perfect representation of how irrational anxiety disorder makes you. And it's not fun. It's really not fun. Um, And people don't understand it. Because again, a logical person, even myself, even myself, logically, I have like 26 different compartments in my brain but half of it is logical and I'm the logical side of myself is saying come on like are you kidding you'll be fine it's 10 extra minutes away even like giving myself these logical reasons to go out and do but then the other side the overwhelming side the more powerful side saying oh my god oh my god no that's too far this you can't do this you can't do that and all these crazy scenarios okay so that's just one example of this thing that continuously happened. And this was like every day. The final straw for me was my senior year of high school. Um, I was obviously in musical theater. I've always been in musical theater. And we were having auditions that were happening in the auditorium. And we were all gathered, no, no, sorry, in the black box theater. And we were all gathered and you know, getting ready to audition, and I love auditions, like I've never been afraid of auditions, um, but all of a sudden, I just started getting super, super anxious, and boom, panic attack ensues, my hands go numb, I get ting- well, it starts with tingles, right, you get the tingles in your hands and your feet, then they go numb, and this panic attack was so bad that my hands started cramping into like shapes that I couldn't move. (laughs) Like you know the rock on sign? Like when your two fingers are up at the end of the okay. My fingers were cramping into like that position and I could not open them. It was terrifying, right? I'm feeling dizzy, I'm feeling lightheaded. I have my head on my two best friends. Like they're they're trying to comfort me. And at this time people were unaware that I had these issues. Um because I didn't show it. You know? Only my friends knew. Like I told you like I said before. My people close to me knew. But everyone freaks out, you know, they're like, what's going on? They have no idea what's going on. The teachers tell everyone, you know, let's get out, which is, you know, in the grand scheme, a good move, because, you know, leave me alone, let me recoup. But on my, on my end, it was like, oh my god, now everyone's leaving, everyone's scared of me. So, you know, it's just making it worse, right? I can't calm down. (laughs) This has got to be the worst panic attack I ever had in my life. Um... Now, something about panic attacks, you know what, actually, I'm going to save that for another episode. We'll talk about panic attacks in another episode. But I really, really, really want to talk about those because if you have anxiety, a panic attack happening is terrifying, right? It's like the worst thing ever. Even people who don't have anxiety disorder, Have panic attacks in their life. You know, it happens. And there are clear, clear scientific reasons why our bodies react this way and why we feel the things we feel when we start to panic. And I wanna talk about that in a whole different episode because I think it's so important and so helpful for people to understand that. Because a lot of times with anxiety, just knowing what's going on at the basic, basic human level helps. So we'll get into that in a different time. But yes, so this is like the straw that broke the camel's back. It's like, okay, now I really, I really can't do this anymore. I can't live like this anymore. It is ruining things that I love now. It's interfering with theater. And I've had panic attacks on stage before, like the whole nine. I'm like, okay, enough is enough with this. So my therapist, tells me and my mom that he thinks it's time i go on medication and i was so against this to me that meant i was weak that meant i was letting my mind control me or letting this thing control me that i should be able to handle myself with my mind rather Um, And I was against it. I was like, absolutely not. Not happening. Let's exhaust every other option before this happens. And basically, in so many words, he let me know, listen, kid, we exhausted every option. So I still didn't want to do this. But he told me something that struck a chord and eventually convinced me that I need to take this medicine. He said, let's pretend you go to the doctor and you know, you're having symptoms. And they tell you, you have a thyroid problem. And then they say, here's the medicine you're going to take. Would you tell them no? Or would you take the medicine? And it hit me. I was like, whoa. In so many words, he's telling me, this severe anxiety that you have is chemical. It's the way your brain is wired. And right now, you need extra help to push those chemicals to work the way they're supposed to work, because they're not working in your brain. And I was like, whoa, okay. So this is not just, oh, feelings, and oh, I can't control my feelings. No, this is a real medical thing. and It is so important. I want people to understand that it's okay to need that extra help. And it doesn't mean you have to live on medication. Sometimes you just need the edge taken off. And that's exactly what happened with me. So I started taking Zoloft. I was on 25 milligrams. Um, It really saved me. It sounds so dramatic, but it did. Um, The highest I ended up going to was 100 milligrams. Um, Zoloft helped me dorm at college It's crazy because I live in Staten Island and my dorm was in Manhattan and I had peers that were coming from like Costa Rica to live in the same exact dorm I was in. Like nothing, you know? So there are those moments where you sit there and you're like, oh, you know, this person's coming from Costa Rica with no issues and I'm over here needing medicine to go from Staten Island to Manhattan. But that's another, uh, (laughs) that's another thing that we want to avoid doing is judging ourselves. So anyways... The Zoloft helped me do that. I would not have been able to do that if it weren't for this medicine. I wouldn't have been able to take the subway the way I did if it weren't for this medicine. I wouldn't be able to do anything that I have done in the past few years if it weren't for this medicine. And for that, I am so, so grateful. I guess for those people who are super anti-medication, the silver lining here is that now I'm off of it. (laughs) I've been two months off of it, and I am so, so happy, so proud of myself. And I'm not gonna lie, it's a little rough, you know? I'm feeling things that for a few years, I just wasn't feeling at all. Um, I'm starting to feel those overthinking tendencies coming back. I, you know, have anxiety attacks occasionally, um, but it's cool because I can look at it from the bigger picture now that I had the medicine for a few years to t- retrain my brain almost and I say you know what if I can do it with that I can do it without that um so yes I'm two months off I'm very happy but it doesn't stop there because I still need a lot of work I mean I've been in therapy the entire time i still in it now um But anxiety like this and severe, severe overthinking is something that requires an everyday effort. Um, Especially this year. I'm sure people who never had anxiety before or never had an overthinking problem before maybe acquired one from this year, just the way it's been. But if you don't have an overthinking problem, it basically goes like this. Let's say you cut Johnny in line in October. You are so guilty about it for the rest of the day. The next day, you're still feeling guilty about it. Then you start to think, what could I have done differently to not cut Johnny in line in October? For the next month or two, you are obsessing and worrying if Johnny online is still mad at you and thinking about how you could have changed that or why you did that. Was there any malicious intent behind why you did that? And you're still thinking about that in January. Then all of a sudden, something else happens that you want to feel guilty about or something else happens that invades your mind and takes over that thought so now that thought subsides great but it's replaced by another thought (laughs) sorry that was a crazy example but you get the gist and guys I'm being so serious like with the medicine I wasn't guilty I wasn't overthinking I was super super confident like I felt good and now those things are coming back a little bit I'm overthinking. I'll be replaying the same line in my head for days and days and days and days and days. Um, Insecurities are coming back a little bit. Um, But again, these are things I can manage. The bottom line is I'm no longer house-ridden. The anxiety, the edge of the anxiety has been taken off. And now it's just really time to buckle down on the extra stuff. Because you don't want to live in a brain that... Is hurting you. Is not helping you. So that's also kind of why I wanted to do this podcast as well, because I think it will help me. Um, If I'm having a really bad day, or I'm having some thoughts that are just not leaving, I could come on here and just chat about it. You know, let people know that you're not going to be perfect just because you took medicine and just because you go to therapy. It's an everyday thing and. I really, I want to start doing more of that. I want to start being way more proactive in retraining my brain. Because after the medicine, again, it's only been two months, but after the medicine, it kind of hit me. It was like, whoa, things are coming back. I'm starting to think things. I'm starting to feel these things again. And I kind of let it take over me. But I'm going to try to not do that anymore. I started a book literally last night of daily affirmations. And every single day, I'm going to sit there and write affirmations for myself, whether I fully believe them or not, in the book, um, based on um, what I'm deficient in that day. So let's say I'm feeling insecure appearance-wise, that day will be focused on appearance affirmations. Let's say one day I'm feeling lazy, that day will be focused on work ethic, and you know, I am smart (laughs) affirmations. And basically, what I'm doing is writing them down, reading them three times through, and kind of breathing into them. You know, if you never heard the term breathing into things, you're like, what the heck, but it helps. So of course, I will continue to update on that and how that's going. Um, But I know for a fact that these things work affirmations work. It's just true. Your mind is the single most powerful thing in your body. People think, oh, I'm not me without my heart. Wrong. You're not you without your brain. Your heart's just a muscle that pumps blood. Your brain is what hones your thoughts, your feelings. It's basically like secondary to your soul, right? If you're spiritual, religious, whatever, that's how I would explain it. The brain is secondary to the soul. That's where all the mechanisms are happening, and if you can, okay, you know what? I like to use this example for how just how powerful the brain is because I've told many people affirmations, think positive. If you're if you don't want to get sick, tell yourself, "I will not get sick." And people look at me like I have sixteen thousand heads, but let me tell you how it works. Everybody knows that if you stress stress is a killer. If you have way too much stress, you get ulcers. You get uh, a heart attack. I mean, there's so many medical, physical ailments that come from stress. So if your mind can control you in that negative way, please explain to me how if you fed your brain with positivity, your body wouldn't respond in that way as well. Like, again, gonna sound crazy, but I am a firm believer Okay, here's another example. This awful, awful, awful time is happening, right? From the beginning. And please, please, I'm disclaiming this. Like, this, this virus is horrible. So I, I don't even really want to talk about it too much. But I'm going to just for the sake of me proving my point. Uh, okay. <sighs> From the beginning of this, I was scared of it, right? And I said, I am not getting this. I told myself, I am not getting this. It's not happening. Both my parents got it, okay, and multiple people around me got it, who I was in extremely close quarters with. I did not get it, and I still haven't got it. Now you may say, okay, lady, that's a coincidence, don't be a fool, but to me, that is not a coincidence. To me, that is not a coincidence. To me, that is the power of my mind, and that is the thing I want to master. I want to master my own mind. I want to be able to have an intrusive thought and say, "Uh uh-uh, nope, leave. You are not helping anybody. You're worthless. Get out. That's what I want to be able to do here, people. And you know what? We can do it. So let's do it together. This is all I want. Let's do this together. We're in this together. So, okay. (laughs) Wow. Over 30 minutes of me doing this. So anyways, I'm sorry, that was the longest intro podcast, pilot, whatever you want to call it, ever. But I am so excited because I think this is going to be a really good thing for me, of course, and for people who listen, Um, especially people who are dealing with things and feel alone. Let me be the person you come to. Okay, so thank you so much for listening. I hope you decide to stick around and join me on this crazy psycho journey. Um, and I appreciate you and so much love to you all. Bye.